Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast. What's that sound, you're probably thinking? Well, that is the sound of Christmas, ladies and gentlemen. It should be the sound of Christmas. It's actually a tambourine. Oh, oh, oh. Is that Santa? Oh, oh, oh. That sounds like Santa. It's not actually Santa. It's just my friend Paul Taylor who's joining me for this episode. And it's nearly Christmas. So, hello, Paul. How are you? Hi, Luke. I'm doing very well. It is very close to Christmas. 19th of December, currently. Yeah, so we've just got like six days before Christmas. I used to be more excited than this. Me too. Six days before Christmas. I used to be going crazy. Yeah, me too. I used to... I used to get so excited when I was a kid about Christmas. You don't get excited anymore? Um, no, I don't know why. It's particularly this year. Like, I'm very unexcited this year. Yeah. I've been excited in previous years, um, but just not feeling it this year. I don't know why. I used to, you know, every day I used to count the days, literally. I'd, I used to count down the days until it was Christmas. You know, starting in December, I'd be like, only only 28 days till Christmas, for example. Well, starting... At the beginning yeah. of December. To- yeah, I couldn't count. <laughs> when do you have Christmas? <laughs> I couldn't count. I was only, I was only uh, four. Um, and uh, anyway, I used to get so excited. And then when it got to Christmas Eve, I would be so, uh, so unbelievably excited that I wouldn't be able to sleep. And I remember lying in bed on Christmas Eve, just for, trying to force myself to go to sleep mm-hmm. so that I could then wake up and open my presents. That's scarily similar to how I used to feel, although probably a lot of English people maybe have gone through the same experience. I think mm. that one of the things uh, that potentially that I'm not excited about or the reason why I'm not excited about it is that I don't have this year an advent calendar. I noticed that you have a kinder uh, advent calendar, which I was I almost going to buy, but it was too late, you know, and, and, and now you've eaten 19 chocolates yeah. or shared 19 chocolates. Uh, it's an advent calendar. What's an advent calendar, Paul? An advent calendar. Uh, so advent is uh, a term that I don't know where it comes from, uh, but it's it, it's the term depicted for a calendar uh, mm-hmm. that usually... Uh, you open every day, so there's 25, or some uh, calendars go up to 31, uh, but most go to 25 in the UK anyway. Um, 25 days, and behind you open each like a door uh, mm. each day, and each day there's a there's something waiting for you, um, whether it's a picture. Uh, so the Kinder calendar that you have, uh, I presume, has Kinder yeah. uh, branded. Um, chocolates behind there whether it's like a mini egg whether it's a bit of a kinder bueno whether it's uh, whatever else it is oh, i love kinder you you're you're quite familiar with the the, the range of, of kinder products the bueno the kinder bueno and the the kinder bueno is like the soft the soft oh. one that's really good but um yeah that's an advent calendar i yeah. i believe advent it's something to do with uh, the religious aspect of um 
Christmas. Yeah. But I, I can't remember the exact... It's something to do with the date. Um, but yeah, exactly. So when, when I was a kid, I used to have an advent calendar, which um, uh, was very nice. It had like a religious scene on it, some Christian image on it. And you would find uh, there would be a door for each... Um, um, day of the month and you would open you find the door and open it and behind it there's like a picture of like a wise man or something mm-hmm. or then there would be a picture of you know some Christmas related Christian thing a picture of uh, like um, a shepherd you know a picture of a church and then the last picture is always the baby Jesus there he is mm-hmm. but this one I've got here is completely Unchristian. I think it's there's nothing religious about this this Kinder uh, Advent calendar at all. No, it's uh, it's it's just full of chocolate. Now, be honest. Well, now you're probably at the age where it doesn't really matter. But when you were younger yeah. and you had Advent calendars which had chocolate in them, yeah. did you secretly open like day twenty four yeah. when it was actually the sixteenth and eat the chocolate and then kind of close it up? Yes, I did. Uh, I would I would very carefully prise the the door open with my nail or maybe with a nail file or some other implement. I'd prise the door open and then um, take the chocolate and eat it. And then I'd close the, the, the door again very carefully and make it look like it hadn't been touched. And then I would feel guilty. I'd just feel really bad. So I wouldn't enjoy the chocolate because of the guilt aspect of it. Um, would just ruin the the experience. Yeah, so. It's kind of like when you when you open your presents or when you sneak into the wardrobe, yeah. like you know where your parents have hidden the presents. Yeah, and you sneak in. I did that a couple of times Me where uh, I would sneak in and, and open, try and open the wrapping as as carefully as possible, <laughs> um, yes. and uh, and see what was in there. But then it ruins the whole Christmas day. Yeah. Did you then have to pretend that? Oh, it's a it's it's a BMX. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, a BMX would be pretty obvious. Yes, it would. Uh, yeah. A BMX is a bike. Uh, for those who might not know what it is, I don't know what yeah. BMX stands for. Actually, bike mountain extreme cross, mountain cross. No, it's not mountain. It's not mountain related, is it? BMX hmm. bicycle man. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What X-ray. A... I don't know. Anyway, normally I know everything because this is Luke's English podcast, right? I know all the answers, but it, I don't know what BMX stands for. But we, you don't need to know. No one knows what BMX stands for. You know, <laughs> I have no idea. What, there's, there's certain things in life that you just have no idea. You don't need to know. What things stand for and you don't, I don't particularly care. But it's, no one needs to know It's a bike BMX. that's not a mountain bike that doesn't really have a seat uh, that people have turned into an extreme sport. Yeah, you, you, you do jumps on them. You go on mini ramps and stuff on a BMX. When I was a kid, the BMX, I think the BMX was the best gift that I got at Christmas. Yeah, but you used to sometimes sneak into your parents' bedroom and find where they'd hidden the gifts, and then you'd look at the, the stuff. Would you? Yeah, there, I think there was once where it was a PlayStation or a console Whoa. of some sort nice. uh, that I got, um, and yeah, I, sn- I I snuck in and 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 opened the box and and saw what it was and kind of pretended that I didn't. So and, and I felt bad. So I think I stopped doing it after a while. Mm, mm. Um, but. Yeah, even even now, like when it's, if it's my girlfriend's birthday or something, like I'll have got her presents. I want her to open them like the night before. Like I, I just can't wait. Yeah, I can't you, do it. You can't wait to give the gifts. Yeah, me too. I buy 
Usually, to be honest, I buy my girlfriend like a few presents. You know, not just one. I have to buy her a few. Mm-hmm. Even though every Christmas she always says to me, "Oh, you don't need to get me anything." But I've, I think I've realised that you don't need to get me anything actually means you need to get me something. Don't you find? I think so. Yeah, I, it's it's. I I find Christmas has got more and more difficult um, over the years it, it, to try and f- find good presents for anyone. Not only yeah. my girlfriend, my mum, who's coming uh, uh, to Paris tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what to get. She doesn't know what to get me. So we always just end up recently just giving each other money and, and it's kind of sad um but that's uh, that's what christmas is uh, has come to and it's, uh, it's hard to um, it's hard to find the time to go out and buy the gifts and stuff you know mm-hmm. busy times yeah um all right let we'll come back to the question of christmas in a moment we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, what christmas is is like what people normally do at christmas in in the uk and in other countries as well a little bit um but before we do that, let's let's get to know Paul a little bit, shall we? Listeners, I'm talking to the listeners there. Um, so, Paul, I, now, let's see. Let's see. Okay, first of all, where are you from, Paul? Uh, I am from the UK, uh, originally. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that satisfies your answer or you no, need more... I need more details. You need more details. Where okay. exactly? Are you from England, uh, Scotland, Wales or Northern So Ireland? from the, the country from the UK that's called England, yep. uh, out of the four countries. Well, England and Northern Ireland. My mum is from Northern Ireland, oh, yeah. from Belfast. Oh, <clears throat> signed. That's uh, signed. How are you? <laughs> my name's Paul, I'm from Belfast. Um, so yeah, that's that's. my dad is from Yorkshire, which is a, a, a bit further up... Uh, north of England, my mum yeah. is from Belfast. Um, I was born in Essex. Oh, yeah. So officially, I'm an Essex boy. Oh, right. Um, which for uh, the listeners uh, is uh, kind of not a good thing. Uh, it doesn't have a good uh. reputation. Uh, people being from Essex, they're a bit loud and, and rowdy and, and drunks. I only spent maybe like six months or a year there yeah. before I moved um, to London. Right. Uh, Where, whereabouts did you live in London? It's uh, a good question. Beckton, I think. Uh-huh. Which I don't know if it's technically in London. Um, Just on the outskirts, maybe. Yeah, I, I moved around a lot as a kid, so I, I, to define where I'm from is, is a little bit difficult because I, I lived in France and Switzerland and Spain as a kid. Really? Um, and uh-huh. the UK as well. So uh, kind of, if, if it's from the UK, it's from the South. Yeah. Um, I, I spent a couple of years in Torquay. Oh, yes. uh, which is in Devon, which is in the southwest. It's on the coast, isn't it? Uh, it is on the coast, yeah. That is an English holiday resort. It used to be when English holiday resorts were amazing. Um, this is when, this is before like EasyJet or other companies made it very easy for British tourists to fly abroad for their summer holidays. It was. It used to be very, very expensive to fly uh, you know, to Spain or something, um, and so a lot of English people would spend their holidays in Torquay or Blackpool or Skegness or uh, Skegness. Bournemouth or or, wow. or uh, you know somewhere like that. Brighton, yeah. Torquay yeah. wasn't one of the. I guess it was like the. It was a. It was a nice place uh, back in the day, and uh, I always think of um, uh, that comedy show, Faulty Towers. Faulty Towers. It's set in Torquay. It is, it? yeah. Yes, um, great program. Do you, um, yeah, you must have grown up watching Faulty Towers. Yeah, I did. I don't remember. I, I, I remember it. Like I remember specific, vivid scenes of it. Uh, but yeah. it was. Uh, it, it played so much on English TV. I was 
surprised that it only was 13 episodes. Yeah. The whole series, the whole thing lasted 13 episodes. Yeah. I don't know if they were half an hour or an hour, but it felt like there were many more series because they just kept on playing it yeah. on repeat and, yeah. and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Just two series. Uh, if you don't know what that is, ladies and gentlemen, then... Um, Look it up. It's yeah. You can check it out. You can just Google it, but it's difficult to spell in mm. faulty towns. I'll I'll put a link on the page, and I have to make a note of that. Um, it's a classic British sitcom. I'll tell you about it one day. Faulty Towers. Yeah, since you're doing a, a whole thing on British comedy. Yeah. Um, then that should be an episode, I think. Yeah, I think I should devote one to Faulty Towers. We can yeah. listen to Basil Faulty talking to Manuel or something. Manuel. Which is, uh, I'll talk about it properly in, in, in due course. Right, so, okay, so you've, you've moved around a lot, but uh, basically from the south of England, uh, London, but you said that you uh, spent time in Spain, Switzerland and France as a kid. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, 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 from the age of two to four, I lived in Geneva. Oh, yeah. Um, I spent then from like four till nine in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, in near Geneva, um, actually lived in Evian, where they make the water. Oh, really? Uh, for a little bit. So, the, um, is the tap water just Evian there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was five. I, I have no idea, but yeah, presumably you just bath and have showers in Evian water. Wow, that's uh, how amazing it is. It must be luxury. Just... It, it, you can just drink. You can hop in the shower and just drink. Yeah, I imagine the people who live in Evian are just all beautiful and and full of energy and vitality. Yeah, they're French right? though, so that's the unfortunate. I'm joking. It's not, not the same level of vitality. <laughs> if if it depends on how you define vitality. If it means sitting outside a cafe, <laughs> not really doing anything, then that's that's very vital. Which is isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it could be very vital. So uh, yeah, and then when I was nine, I moved back to to England. Um, <clears throat> my parents had split up, so I, I moved back to England with my mum. Uh, at the time, I don't remember this, but at the time I couldn't read or write English properly. Yeah. Because um, I'd been living in, in, in France for a while. Right. Um, I suppose you were learning French then at the time, right? Yeah, I was at an international school for most of those years. So I was doing my studies in English mainly. Yeah. And I, I vividly remember being not very good at French. Like I was one of the worst French mm. students uh, at that age. Um, so hold on, how old were you at this time? Uh, so from the age of two till nine. Yeah. Uh, I was in French speak. I was uh, spent a couple of years in Geneva and the rest in in France. By the um, way, sorry, in Geneva in Switzerland, do they speak French? There? They do, yeah. So that's yeah. French speaking Switzerland, and yeah. the international school that I was at was in uh, was in Geneva. Uh, okay. So uh, my level of of French, I remember not getting very good grades compared to the rest of the kids who mm. you know spoke it and 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 were able to write it fluently. So I guess I was I was kind of mixed between the two. Um, mm-hmm. But then I moved over to uh, moved back to England when I was about nine. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so at that point when you moved back to England, your English was not at the same level as the other kids because you'd been operating in French a bit. Yeah, I th- I, I think neither of the languages was as it should have been when I was nine. Like yeah. my English wasn't as good as it should have been if I was in England up until nine. And same with the French. Mm. Um, I could speak it fluently because both my parents. Um, spoke it with me uh, as well. Yeah. I think I had an American accent back then. Really? Yeah, and it How was, was that? I I guess in the international school and a yeah. lot of American kids go there. Yeah. Cuz I I remember uh, when I was about 9 speaking to my dad on the phone who has the, s- the same accent as me now. Mm. Uh and I was making fun of him to my mum. Yeah. They'd split up so like I'd make fun of him. Yeah. Uh to my mum when I when I spoke to him on the phone, but now he we have the same accent, but I remember making fun of his accent. Yeah. 
because I had I guess I had an American accent back then. It wasn't the same one as me, which is which is very. I've had a few different accents. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting that I, well, it's, it's normal, I suppose. You know, when you spend time with uh, people who speak in a certain way, you tend to copy the way they speak. It's just it's actually there's a name for it. Uh, accommodation. Is it? What they call it. Yeah. That's why, for example, you know, communities. Uh, tend to develop uh, specific accents and dialects because they define themselves by belonging to that community mm. and so they start to speak in a similar way they bind themselves together in the way that they speak or the way that they identify each other as being members of the same community which could explain why for example in Liverpool and in Manchester you've got two really different accents yeah. and two different identities oh. So either you and they're can, not far away from each other. Yeah, it's half an hour away on the on the on the uh, by car, half an hour. So I suppose if you consider yourself to be a scouser, then you know your accent is part of your your culture, isn't it? Yeah, I guess I I, I think part of I, I I think I've by almost by force I guess as a kid like had to accommodate accents if that's mm. the, the the term for it. Where uh, when I moved back to England when I was nine. Um, I was classed as the French kid yeah, because I really? guess I had a weird accent when I spoke English. How did you speak then? I don't know. I think I had this American accent uh, for a bit. But so uh, when I was nine, I, I was just when I was in Torquay mm. in, in the southwest of England. And then after two years, I moved to the southeast of England uh, in Canterbury. Um, nice place. Well known for its archbishop and its cathedral. Yeah. Um, and uh, with the Church of England, isn't it? I don't know. Well, the Archbishop of... Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, he's like the head of something. Head of, head of the, the, the Anglican Church. And Canterbury is a lovely place with a beautiful cathedral, yeah. um, if you like that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of French people go there, kids, like on, on school uh, exchanges and stuff. But yeah. I remember when, when I moved to Canterbury, people made fun of me because I had a southwest english accent so obviously in those two years my accent had changed yeah. and then so i i kind of ended up assimilating to the south east accent and then i don't know it's just weird i have this weird this relationship is, with accents does this mean paul that you're that you have an ear for different accents uh yeah i think so i i i'm able to to imitate a few different uh, english speaking accents yeah. uh, a few different french ones as well at some stage when i spoke french a few years back, uh, when I first met my girlfriend, I had a Canadian French accent. Really? Because I had spent a year living in Montreal. So what's um, the difference between a, a standard French accent and a Canadian French oh, accent? Then? This is good. Because, um, I mean... Good okay, question. <clears throat> while you're thinking about that, yep. between like British English and Canadian English, um, there's obviously a difference. Mm -hmm. And I... I I often try to distinguish between, for example, Canadian English and American English. Yeah, it's difficult. They, they sound pretty similar, don't they? But there are some things that make them different. Yeah, with Canadian English, the thing that will give it away is anything, like any um, word that will have an O-U uh, in it. So, like, to go out, um, about. Mm. Um, it's the ow sound. It's, it? Yeah, so instead of saying you know, uh, about, they'll usually say, like, about, mm. um, as oh. opposed to the Americans, which will say about, like, they'll really pronounce it. Ow. Yeah, so the, the, the phrase, it's, uh, so if, if, I, if you were to say in British English, um, uh, out and about, it, it, I'm, are you out and about tonight? Yeah, are you out and about? Um, in American, it would probably be, 
Are you out and about? Out, out, out and about. Because the, the tea sort of. Hey, um, if you're out and about later on, maybe you know, come over. We'll have a drink. If you're out and about, out Canadian and about. would be like, if you're out and about. Yeah, it's very slight change like that. But that's the only way that I can make the difference. So, Apart from that, their accents are very similar. So in British English, it would be like out and about, whereas in Canada, it's like out, out. How do you, how do you do it again? Out, out and about. <laughs> it's it's very, I, I don't know if I'm doing it properly, but yeah. it was it uh, like the phrase I would always be like, oh, it's all about the hockey, eh? Yeah, because they say a a lot as well. Yeah, um, that's right. Which is a, a stereotype, but it, it's it, they do at the end of some of their sentences. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. I, I spent some time in Canada uh, on a holiday once when I was about eighteen. I went there with my cousin. We travelled across Canada on oh, nice. Greyhound buses. Some very long journeys yeah canada's huge it's massive it's absolutely ridiculous it's, it's crazy huge. it's out of control i didn't realize but the the uh, east coast of canada is closer to europe than it is to the west coast of canada that i didn't know that's that's, that's a crazy fact can, it's yeah it's further to go from one end of canada to the other than it is to go across the atlantic ocean i didn't um appreciate europe until i when i went there to live people would say to me you know wow, you must have been to a ton of European countries. And I was like, well, I've been to a few by that stage, you know, Germany, France, that kind of stuff. Um, and like, how have you not been to more countries? It's such a small place. Like you can, you can drive an hour in this direction, be in a different country, speak a different language. You can turn around, go an hour in the opposite direction, be in a different country, different language. Yeah. Like we fly for six hours and yeah. we're still in the same country. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of when it hit me of the size of of Canada, Australia as well is huge. I, mm. I spent some time there as well, and and they it's the same reaction. And for them, it's even worse because they're further away, you know, they're far away from from anywhere, kind of thing. Right. Okay. Wow. So you've you've spent time in lots of places. We've just established that you've 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 lived, you know, first part of your life in in the, the UK, and then you lived in Switzerland and France, and 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 then you went back to England. Yeah. And then you went to Spain. Did then you? I went to Spain uh, between fourteen and sixteen. Um, so my dad was living out in Spain and, and I ended up going to live with him uh, in Spain for in Madrid for two years uh, right. uh, for between the ages of 14 and 16 wow. uh, before I eventually came back to the UK yeah. uh, at 16, 17. Okay. And then, then you lived in America? You lived in Canada? Uh, I lived in Canada and Australia uh, during my... St- so I studied French and Spanish at university. Yeah, and it, when you're studying that in the UK, you need to leave the UK for a year and go to a French or Spanish-speaking country. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my Spanish was better than my French, so I wanted to go to a French-speaking country yeah. to improve my French. And because I'd lived in France already, I thought it would be cool to go to Canada. So that's how I ended up in Canada, and uh, I spent uh, uh, eight months there and four months in in Australia um, before I came back to finish my degree in the UK, and then. Once I finished my degree in the UK, I moved to France and I've been here since. So how long have you been here now? Uh, just over four years. Okay. Um, so um, a question that I can, Im- I can imagine some of my listeners might want to know the yeah. answer to, although it might not be a very nice question to answer, is which country is the best? Obviously it's in England, but which country is the best? Iraq. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I've never been. No, I don't know. Uh my favourite one... I mean, they all have good and, and bad points. My favourite one that I was in... Let's, let's go through some of those good and bad points, Paul. All um, right. That's interesting. Go on. Okay, so uh, should we start with England? Yeah. Uh, I guess some good points are 
the tea. The tea's good. Yeah. The, the best tea in the world is, is, is in England. We, we collect it from other countries. We did, but and here's, then, yeah, here's another fun fact. I didn't know there were different types of tea until I left England. Because until I was in England, um, mm. I was used to saying, I'll, you know, my mum would be like, oh, do you want a cup of tea? You, do you want a cup of tea is the typical phrase in England, yeah. which yeah. means black tea, which the rest of the world calls English breakfast. Yeah. Um, with milk. Uh, but we just call that a cup of tea. Yeah. So um, when I was in Canada, I asked for a cup of tea at the equivalent of the Starbucks over there. It's called Second Cup, um, which is kind of a cool name. Second and I asked, yeah. yeah, and I asked for a cup of tea, and the woman said, "What what what type of tea?" And you were like, "Just the normal, please." It, just a cup of tea, and so she explained to me the different types of tea they had, like chamomile, like mint tea, all these crazy yeah. uh, other different types of tea that I'd never really heard of until and I left like, the UK. You're like, don't you just have tea? Yeah. Can I was you just, not I, just give me a cup of tea? And she's like, well, would you like that uh, Earl Grey, uh, Lady Grey, Darjeeling, Assam? Just stop confusing me. Just give me tea in a cup. Well, here's the thing as well. Everyone that I've spoken to who's not from the UK has the stereotype that we drink tea, which yeah. is true. But they also have the stereotype that we drink tea with milk. But every tea with milk. They think we drink every different type yeah. of tea with milk. Yeah. There's only one type of tea that I drink with milk, and that's English breakfast. Yeah. Um, Earl Grey, I would never put milk in it. Yeah. Uh, Darjeeling, now that I've tested all these teas, I, you wouldn't put milk in any of them. No. Um, but for some reason, like, I don't know, it's a big joke. It's like, oh, you know, why don't you have some milk with that? It's like, well... It's like, why don't you... Stop getting my country wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, the other stereotype that people always have about English and tea is that we drink it in a cup and saucer mm. and that it's all very posh and very highfalutin. Afternoon tea, mm, all that kind of thing. But we <laughs> it don't is. Do what are you talking about? Do yeah, you not we, do that we, here? We do drink tea in the afternoon, but we also drink it in the morning, in the late morning, in the, in the late uh, early afternoon, in the early late uh, post-evening, in the... Any time throughout the whole day, yeah, basically. Any time, it's not just any time is good for tea. Yeah, it's not one particular sort of like moment where we all stop and we all, you know, get together uh, in in the drawing room and uh, uh, you know bring out the best tea set and then we all sit round and discuss butter and, and uh, you know <laughs> and the Queen. Yeah, exactly. We don't all no. sort of. Um, I find that a little bit annoying because that's not the way it is. Instead, you you drink very strong builders' tea out of a out of a coffee mug yeah. and you have a biscuit with it and you dunk the biscuit into the tea. The dunkage of the biscuit. I, I, It's difficult living in France because there's not very many dunking type biscuits. No, but you can get, you know, chocolate digestives in, in Carrefour. You can do, yeah. Chocolate digestives are, are, are good because the chocolate kind of melts when you mm. dip it in but the, it doesn't break, uh, which is good. It's a good robust um, biscuit, isn't it, the digestive? It is, yeah. Um, the the ones that I currently have are French. They're called Petit Déjeuner. Um, Breakfasts. Yeah, they're, they're, they're little breakfast, like, be, they're made by Belvita, which is, a, I guess, a, 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 a some sort of biscuit company um, that have that are supposed to be good for you. Uh, for breakfast, but uh, yeah, they 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 have some pretty good gun- dunkage yeah. uh, action. Except they kind of the boxes end up 
getting bashed about so they end up in little bits and pieces they get broken. So, you can't dunk yeah. a broken biscuit no but sometimes you don't know it's broken it's like a hairline fracture yes. and you don't quite see that it's actually cracked the whole way through so oh you you dunk it in and it just breaks off like half of the biscuit into the bottom no. of the tea takes about 15 seconds for it to float back up and you have to get your spoon to then Fish like spoon out, out the, the, the wet soggy biscuit or the worst case if it doesn't float up to the top like when you're finishing your tea, you get bits of biscuit. It's disgusting. It's just not. Yeah. It's just not cricket. You've got to be very, very careful when dunking the biscuit to make sure it doesn't break it. Check always check the biscuit first <laughs> before you start dunking, because otherwise you're going to get. They need up. to have warning labels on biscuits yeah. saying this. Uh, they need to have like dunkage time. You know, like on. I've noticed tea bags in in Europe. Yeah. Like in France, when I buy tea, it tells you the infusion time. Yeah. It says this tea bag should be infused for four minutes yeah. um, uh, whereas we kind of play it by ear we're like don't tell me how to infuse my tea exactly they oh. should have that for biscuits though like dunk time yeah. this this biscuit has a, a 10 second dunk time so that you know <laughs> when you should be dunking it and, and this one has like a, a one second dunk so it's like yeah. a quick dunk you get some like big like um, have you ever dunk Duncan dunked dunked Duncan dunk dunked dunked it's a regular verb all right English teacher, <laughs> um, shortbread. I've never no. I'm no. I have dunked shortbread. That's a beast. That can like dunk for like thirty seconds yeah, at least very, before it gets soft. Very good dunking ratio. Dunking I saw something time. in France that disgusted me though. They're, everyone's probably going what, the oh. street. No, it's about dunking. Uh-huh. So breakfast in France, mm. cup of coffee, like a a, a, a slightly large, uh, like a large rim glass, enough for dunkage. Yeah, a large, a large glass that leaves enough space for you to dunk um, a snack of some kind. So it should be a biscuit, but what do they dunk here in, in Paris? I have seen one of my co-workers dunk... So, first of all, take a baguette, which is obviously very French, like a bit of baguette, yeah. put some butter on it, yeah. and dunk that in the coffee. Dunk buttered baguette <laughs> into a coffee? Yeah. Uh, That's mental. It's, and then drink the coffee afterwards with the butter... Like buttered uh, coffee, it was disgusting. I mean, it, I haven't tried it. I'm not a huge fan of coffee, so I can't imagine doing that with tea, though. Mm. So, um, see, the thing is, Paul, that my immediate reaction to that is you can't mix butter and, and a hot drink. Like you can't mix butter and tea or butter and coffee. But what do you think we put in all those biscuits? Full uh, of butter. Uh, full of butter. Yeah. So we are dunking butter, in effect. This is true. But it's not just. It's not just. Um, it's not just butter. You know, it's butter. In, in a biscuit it's in a biscuit it's, the, the rules are different yeah so all that to say that the advantage of living in England is tea okay um, that's where that conversation <laughs> is that from. the only advantage of living in England no there's I mean there's other advantages as well I guess uh, there's there's London's great it's very multinational there's every uh, type of restaurant every type of person that you can ever find the nightlife yeah. is is pretty good uh, there's a lot of theatre uh, a lot of great concerts, a lot of great comedy, all, all sorts of things you can do uh, in, in many different cities uh, in England. Yeah. Um, disadvantaged weather uh, is, I mean, I got used to it. Uh, the weather today is in Paris is kind of like London where one minute it's sunny, next minute it's cloudy and rainy and then it's sunny again. Mm. Um, but it's never that it's never that bad. It's not brutal, is it? You know, it's just a bit depressing at times. Yeah. It's just a, you, you get a bit wet, you get a bit cold. It what? can be dark and a bit dark during the winter. Well, I think that's because the ceiling, like the, the clouds are much lower in, yeah. in London than they are here. Like the weather's pretty similar 
from Paris to London, a few degrees warmer, but the ceiling, like the cloud is a uh, much higher, so you don't feel as as claustrophobic or as mm. as So you're saying that the clouds seem to be lower in London, which gives the impression that uh, the, that you're under the weather a little bit more than than uh, in literally Paris. under the weather, yeah, yeah literally. Okay, mm. all right. Um, okay, so all right, that's England. Best thing is the tea. The worst thing is the weather. What about um, other places? Tell me about Australia. Then. Australia. Uh, the thing that I enjoyed. I was in Sydney for four months. Yeah. The thing that I enjoyed about there is it had a big city feel, yeah. um, like London or Paris. But the the beach was. 10 minutes away yeah. and I was there during winter but it was still warm enough to go to the beach yeah. uh, for an English person anyway and, and hang out uh, I, I, the first time I ever went surfing was in was in Australia in the winter but that was kind of for me the biggest thing the people there are great as well yeah. um, they're pretty open to foreigners even English people really? um, I think the, the the reason I liked it so much was the people like it was for, I think a people make the place sometimes yeah. you know if you you can live in the mo- in the most beautiful place but the people are are horrible yeah. and then it doesn't make for a great experience it's all about the company isn't it that you have it is um okay so the australians all right so did you i mean you you pick up accents wherever you go did you end up did you find that you were picking up the australian accent weirdly yeah i i so the the the, the biggest part that i picked up was instead of um so in english i would probably normally say butter 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 Instead you can't of, put butter in coffee. You like, can't put uh, butter in coffee. Pass co- the butter. Pass the butter, close the shutter, give me a bottle of water. Yeah. Um, you just miss out all the teas. They're all glottal stops. Yeah. So, um, wait, 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 wait. Butter. Obviously, that's, that's, that's butter, isn't butter, it? Butter, yeah. Or in America. Butter. Yeah. With, as if it was a double D. Butter. Here's the thing. When Americans say to me, and they get annoyed, they're like, why don't you pronounce your T's? I say, well, I'd rather not pronounce them than pronounce them as D's, yeah. as incorrectly. Yeah. So yeah. that's my answer to you, America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, uh, oh. Yeah. yeah. But that that was the thing that I started doing in, in Australia because I think people had a difficult time listening. Or uh, they probably didn't, but it felt... So I ended up taking the, dub, the double D because they say like butter. I they would say, instead of saying butter or butter, they would, they would say like butter. So they do the D. They do it like the Americans. They do like yeah. They do it like the Americans. So like, butter, a, butter, can I get a, a bottle of water? Oh yeah. It's sort of, everything seems to kind of go up at the kind end. of goes up at the end. You know what I mean? Is that one of the keys to doing an Australian accent, mate? Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Also, saying kind of like weird phrases like uh, "Good eye, mate. How you going?" Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I found weird because I, 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 that was the immigration guy when I landed. I was like, really? I, I'm not going anywhere. I just got here. Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? How am I going by bus? By, by? so they have uh, they have uh, they minute. shorten everything down like the Arvo. Where are you going in the Arvo, mate? Okay, uh, Arvo is afternoon. Yeah, uh, but they shorten it down to Arvo. Let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to good day, mate. Hmm. So uh, what's good day, mate? Then what, what's that? Good, mean? uh, it means good day friend okay. uh, a good day mate uh, good good day but they spell it if you were to spell it it would probably g apostrophe then d a y yeah. so good day mate good day mate that's your standard that's one of the standard sort of part bits of australian english that we all know isn't it yeah good day like, mate in and yeah. uk english would be all right mate yeah all right mate and then good day mate and in america how yeah. are you I don't know. So they would say, "Hey, hey, how are you?" Hey, hey, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what uh, what they would potentially say, but yeah, something like "Hey," I find that Americans often hey. say "Hey," yeah, just "Hey,", hey. 
Hey. Hey there. I always thought hey was kind of funny because uh, how you doing? Say hi, hi, meaning hello, and in in America it's like hey, and in England we say hey when someone is stealing your bike. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> hey, come back. Oi, oi, yeah. is very British. Isn't oi, it? you, oi, watch oi. it. I'm watching you. Oi, um, oi, yeah, yeah. So good day. Good day, mate. Good day, hey, mate. How hey, you going? How you going? How how are you going? Which is a bit like how are you doing, right? Yeah, it's exactly like that. What I realised is that they're probably more. They take after most other countries. Say how are you going in French? Comment tu vas? Mm-hmm. Literally translates to how are you going yeah. in Spanish? Como vas? Uh-huh. How are you going? Uh-huh. Um, uh, Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> Konnichiwa. I don't know. I what, don't know how they say. You spent it. some Gen- time in Japan. Genki. Genki. Genki desu ka? And what is it? What Genki is, is like. You all right? Okay. So Genki means all right. Genki de- Genki desu ka? I haven't spoken Japanese for a long time. Genki desu. Which is like Genki is a nice word. It sort of means full of energy, spirit, spirited, sort of energetic, cool. energetic. Yeah, Genki, that's it. That's pretty cool. To say Genki, which means all right. I will walk around Japan now when I'm next day and just. You've probably told me to tell them to fuck off, and so <laughs> when I walk around Japan, they'll be like, "Sorry." No, you're going to go. I've heard they're very they're like, nice. Genki, and they'll be like, "What?" <laughs> they're lovely people. And if they don't understand you, uh, it's all right. They're, they'll just sort of laugh and and then run away. <laughs> They're shy. Yeah, I, I get that. In that. I don't know if that's a stereotype. I don't really have many stereotypes of uh, of Japan, uh, really. I guess the stereotypes are that they 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 tend to go. They tend as tourists. They hang around in large groups. Mm-hmm. Cameras around the neck. Cameras and they yeah, take that's photos a stereotype. Of and eat sushi. And they eat sushi and they do that peace sign. Whenever you, with their fingers, yeah, I thought that was more China, like no, Chinese it's definitely people, definitely Japanese, yeah, people. where they do the V, yeah. like the the V for victory peace. sign, and they 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 do the peace sign and they move their head to one side mm-hmm. and do a smile. So if you basically with a Japanese person, uh, if you put a camera in their face, they'll then do the, that. The hand automatically comes up with the peace sign, <laughs> and it's almost like involuntary. They can't not do it. It's like when you have a scratch or an itch on your face. Yeah. You go and scratch it. You don't even know that you're doing it. Yeah, Japanese people do that. Exactly. I think that it's it's it's. I can't explain it, but I think it's like something they can't not do. I'm sort of being ironic here. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, they choose to do it, but uh, I feel like we, if we could harness the energy that uh, is used to, to for Japanese people to you do the peace sign yeah. when a photograph is taken off them, we could use that energy. To, well, like hook up a motor or something, yeah, and exactly, then yeah, end up turning yeah. it into. A they could power. They could power kinetic their mobile, energy. They could power the mobile phones off it. They should recharge some Japanese. They must have some. Do you know Nike Nike fuel bands? Those like those yeah. wrist things that that calculate like Nike fuel, and it tells you how many calories you're burning. They must love that stuff, like putting up the because oh, yeah. it's it's based on wrist motion. Yeah, um, they could have like a kinetic uh, energy. Uh, like charging a device. charging device. Let's attached. make it happen. Yeah, and what they would that that would be connected to the mobile phone, which has a camera in it. So every time someone takes a photo of them, uh, they they would do the peace sign, and that would then charge the battery in the camera. So they would then just be able to continue taking photos of each other forever. Yeah, um, the, I, I mean, don't know, I, if I, you're fully out of battery, you might need to do. 
some dirty things in order to get it fully charged though like that's that's my initial reaction you'd kind yeah. of have yeah, to maybe. anyway yeah. alright so anyway we got off topic a little bit there um <laughs> So that's Australia. The the what the good thing? What was what were you saying? It's a nice place. The people are friendly and so on. What bad things in Australia? Snakes. Uh, yeah, the, all the creepy crawlies. Like you <clears throat> have to. I was there in the winter, so it wasn't too much of an issue. Mm-hmm. And in the city, it's not too much of an issue either. But if you're out, slightly out in the city, you kind of have to check your shoes before you put them on in case there's any uh, spiders or things in there. Like really? your washing machine, your toilet. Like pe- uh, my uncle who lives out there was telling me that you have to kind of before you go to the toilet you have to check really? that there's no kind of spider or something under there in case it oh. jumps up and bites you in the bum oh my god <laughs> or somewhere else or somewhere else yeah you'd have uh... <laughs> that would be terrible not only would you be poisoned you'd also uh, be poisoned in a very sensitive place you might not be able to reproduce ever again it would hurt a lot more than it than it would normally hurt yeah so that's oh, a disadvantage dear. and it's quite far away from everywhere you know to get there from yeah. Europe, it's like twenty-four hour flight, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. far. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so Australia, the United States of America, America. Uh, advantages. What I like about it is that it's it's this. You've got everything in the US in terms of landscape. Mm. Um, you know, here we'd have to go to different countries to get to the mountains, to go to lakes, to go to a desert kind of thing. Over there, they've kind of got all of that, which is which is great. Mm. Um, so you can stay in the same country. You can go um, to like LA, you can see the city. You can go out to Nevada and see the Grand Canyon. Yeah, you've got Los, uh, Las Vegas there. You've got the mountains for skiing. You yeah, they've got all kinds of different landscapes there. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's you almost don't need to leave, which is potentially why a lot of Americans don't have passports because it's such a such a diverse country in terms of landscape, but as well everything else. Yeah, um, yeah. That that I suppose explains to an extent this kind of isolationist thing about the US that some people mm-hmm. in America kind of consider America to be the world itself. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe because it's the new world, but also because the borders. You know, I've obviously got Canada in the north and Mexico in the south, but on either side, you've just got very wide open oceans. Yeah. You know, so that contributes to that feeling of isolation, I suppose, when you're there. Plus, you've got such variety, such wide variety of different types of land in the country. Kind of contributes to that sense that America is a, a nation on its own, you know, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, all right, a, so a good point. What about bad things in the States, though? Uh, bad things in the States. Food, I think. Really? Yeah, and, and I know the, the, the stereotype is that English people or England, England has bad food. Uh, I think the, the problem in England is that we don't know how to cook. We have available food, like the most available. I, I, we even have more food, different types of food available in England than we do in France. Like I go yeah. to a French supermarket and it's very much the same stuff everywhere it's good stuff but there's not like if you want to make a curry uh, or you want to make some chinese food or japanese food or you want to make something a bit more exotic than just french food it's very difficult to find in a french supermarket you have to go to like a specialized thing whereas in 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 the uk you have the variety in a normal supermarket um and the thing with the us is that they're the food just the food standards in terms of like you go to a supermarket just everything is very it's got added stuff in it that they don't need. You know, they've just got, uh, like, they've got cheese in cans, like spray cans of cheese, of, like, fake cheese. Um, 
they've just got a crazy amount and they've got the, like a, a supermarket in fact you've got a bag Whole Foods yeah um, from from and this is like an organic kind of supermarket only yeah uh, and but the stuff you get in there just feels like a French supermarket any French supermarket yeah. is the same as that yeah um, so they're sort of a high level boutique supermarket is just a standard European supermarket. Yeah, it just seems like that the, it's it's more difficult to come across natural yeah. basic ingredients yeah. that haven't been uh, somehow genetically modified. Yes. Um, or they're covered in sugar or they're covered in like yeah. pink sweet sweetener stuff yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I guess that's a disadvantage. I mean, there's great places to eat. Like I've eaten in great places um, uh, but you usually have to pay quite a bit of money for yeah. for a, for a pretty uh, decent restaurant I found. Okay. Um, in terms of you know, if you want to grab a quick bite to eat, fast food. Here's the thing, and I don't know whether it's a good thing or not. Like in the UK, our fast food culture, I like because there's healthy fast food. There's great sandwich shops. There's great salad places. There's great all sorts of kind of healthy mm. food mm. because London's turned into. Um, a place where you need to work. So you want to take your, your healthy food, take it to your desk and work with. And that's mm. kind of spread across the UK. Yeah. Um, and there's pretty good chains that, are, you know, even like something like Wagamama, which is a, a like a Japanese restaurant. It's pretty decent and it's become a chain. Yeah. In the US, the chains I find are less healthy. They don't necessarily have the health yeah. uh, chain thing. You can get healthy food, but it's more kind of like boutique type, hipster yeah. type places, yes. if that makes sense. Yes, it does, yeah. Um Okay. Now, uh, what about Switzerland? I mean, you did you were there when you were very young, so I wonder. Yeah, there's not a lot that I, I. I went back recently a few years ago uh, for for a week for work, and yeah. um, it was uh, Geneva specifically would just like watch shops, just loads of watch, Lo- shops. loads of watches, loads of chocolate places, loads of places that sold Swiss Army knives, chocolates, watches, and and folding knives, and banks. And banks. Yeah, and that's okay. not an exaggeration. Like every street you walk down, you'll it's like the pharmacies in France. Yeah. There's a lot of pharmacies in France, there's a lot of watch places in Switzerland. It's interesting. You would have thought that they would all have a watch now. <laughs> it's like how many how many watches do they how need? How many watches do you need? It's like I'm not sure that I know exactly what time it is. I need to I've buy a new nine watch. watches. <laughs> well they become like an accessory, don't they? Especially like yeah. if they're proper rich people that have like good metal watches and mm. things like that so um yeah switzerland uh, in general though the, i guess the, the perception is the good thing is, is it's a very wealthy country um a lot of people go there because you 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 earn a lot of money if you work there yeah um i guess the uh, the disadvantage potentially is that there's four languages that are spoken four or three it's it's french it's italian french, german italian german and, and uh romance romance yeah so there's four different languages in the same country, which can probably be uh, a disadvantage depending on where you're at. Like if you're from Geneva and you speak French mm. from Switzerland and you go to Basel, which is German. German, you might have a difficult... It must be difficult, actually. I, I've not thought about that, like not being able to communicate yeah. to somebody else in your own country. Yeah. So they're almost... Yeah, because I guess we don't necessarily have that problem here or France doesn't. Well, have you been to Scotland? Yeah, I've I've been a couple of times. I mean, that's a joke because uh, you know sometimes it's difficult to understand. You talking about Paul? If you go to the pub, you bastard! You talking about fucking <laughs> Scottish bastard? bastard. <laughs> 
Hello everybody, sorry for the interruption, but I just wanted to tell you that's the end of part one of this conversation. And the rest of it continues in part two. That's a surprise, isn't it? Not really, no. Anyway, um, I strongly recommend that you listen to part two because we talk about all kinds of really interesting things and it gets very funny near the end. So that's it for this one. See you later. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, you can visit teacherluke.wordpress.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.